Well, good evening, everyone. I want to uh, thank you all for inviting Adrian and I to come and share our story with you tonight. Full Gospel has been a special place in my heart, and being here takes me back many, many years ago. It was uh, New Year's Eve in 1983 when my family attended our first Full Gospel banquet. Some of you may have remember who Ernie Holland was. He was a, a bank robber who God miraculously set free from his life of crime and jail. And he was a speaker that night. And he had a huge impact on my father and on our lives. You see, my father had a drinking problem. And that Christmas season was one of the worst and best holiday seasons of my life. The worst because that Christmas Eve, we were spent dealing with my drunk father. And the best because that was the evening that our family had an invitation to come to the New Year's Eve Full Gospel Banquet here in Yorkton. I remember quite clearly getting dressed up and traveling from Lemberg, where I grew up, to Yorkton. To the, then it was held at the Corona in the hotel basement. And hearing Ernie's story. Ernie, um, his story was quite amazing and had a huge impact on my father. And by the end of the evening, we found ourselves at the front of that room with Ernie Hollins praying over our family and another full gospel member praying and speaking over our family that evening. And that began my Christian journey. We started attending the little tiny Pentecostal church in Lemberg. And I remember one service, Joanne Cash Yates, who is Johnny Cash's sister, was there, her and her husband, and they were ministering in this tiny little church uh, to this tiny little congregation and was praying over, I think it was over just me and my mom and maybe my brother, but I had also had a Bible there, and she took my Bible, and she signed my Bible, and she referenced Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Little did I know that this was going to be my life first. But as I entered my teen years, there was a battle beginning. There wasn't a lot of support for a young Christian youth in the small town of Lemberg. And due to the emotional absence of my father, I began to seek out ways to fill that void. As a young teenage girl, the need to feel accepted and loved superseded anything else, and I found myself in situations that I probably shouldn't have been in. However, God's love is good and his hand was on me, protecting and directing me. You see, a seed had been planted in my life, and deep down, I always knew right from wrong from that point on. I felt pulled towards God as a young adult, and I was living in Regina, and I began attending a church there, and that's when I met Adrian. This is where she tags me in, right? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I, I'm going to provide some levity to the evening. Um, and by the way, this may be get, get kind of emotional for us because we've been able to share our stories in, as individuals, but ne we've never really had the opportunity to do this together. So on a sweetheart's banquet, we don't want to disappoint you, but there might be some tears as we talk about love. 
So my journey prior to landing in Regina had me come from Manitoba through Saskatchewan and into Alberta. I was raised in a Christian home, but sometimes it was dysfunctional. Uh, I was often in fights as a kid, okay? I know, I'm a big guy, right? <laughs> That's what you were thinking, I won all those fights. No, I lost them all. I got into a lot of trouble as a kid. Um, I was often the instigator, and those of you in the room who have played hockey with me, um, you know what that's about. And just by and by, John, Crystal, we, I went to Bible college, and we used to go to Bethany, and <clears throat> we used to get tussled up with the Bethany team. So that was a highlight of going to their college so that we could you know, play hockey. Right? I went to a fight, and a hockey game broke out, something like that. So I didn't push the limits. But I was often getting into trouble. So as a child, as a child, as young, as a teenager, I also attended full gospel banquets in, in Flin Flon, Manitoba. It was always exciting to see who the next speaker would be. So I kind of have a connection to this type of event as well. But we moved when I was about 15 years old, grade 10, moving into grade 11. We moved from Flin Flon down to Tisdale, which was probably a good thing because the friends I was hanging out with that I'd grown up with, they were starting to influence me in a way that probably would have led me down a, a wrong road. So as I said, I graduated, I went to Bible college, and I thought, hey, you know what, I'm going to be a pastor, which is kind of interesting because I grew up in a pastor's home and that's the last thing I wanted to do. But I kind of like the idea of having an opportunity to impact people's lives and care about people and invest in them. And so that was the way, that was the, the example I had. So I thought, hey, I, I could become a pastor. But in my desire to uh, enter into vocational ministry, I didn't get that opportunity. Um, it was mostly volunteer opportunities. And so in those early years, from 15 to about 25, I moved around a lot. And then to quote you too, I still hadn't found what I was looking for. That was kind of exemplified my life. But I always wanted to learn more, read more, uh, have more knowledge. And so I had moved to Regina to take on more, get more education. And so after, shortly after going to, moving to Regina, I went to this men's retreat. And I was playing the piano there. And I was just kind of cool. I'm in this new city and, and I'm getting to new, know new people. And a word was spoken over me by one of the pastors there. And he said, Adrian, you're going to have a successful marriage and successful, successful ministry. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to hear. That's where my life is headed. My life was, uh, my studies were soon distracted by the lovely woman standing beside me today. And uh, I won't go into quite the same detail as we heard earlier. Thank you for you people for sharing your, your meets and, and stuff. We met, we started dating. Our first date was on my birthday. She baked me a cake, a Montreal Canadiens cake. And if you know me to be a hockey fan, that was awesome, right? <laughs> no comments, okay? No comments. But we began dating, dating, we got engaged, we got married. Now, I've got to say something about our wedding. Because our wedding, we had great singers. We had great vocalists. They sang a great song as, I don't know, we were doing something as in the wedding. The song was an old Kathy Matea hit called The Battle Hymn of Love. I don't know if any of you recognize that from a way long time ago, more than 25 years ago. And it's talking about battling the outside forces that would come against the marriage. But actually, uh, it wasn't, it was more the, yeah, it was a bad choice. Great vocalist, bad song. Uh, because the battles, a lot of the battles were within. And at that time, we precipitated another move. 
So June of 1992, I found myself married, moving to Carlisle, and in the ministry. I call it my three M's. Those early years weren't easy. I came from a background of having an emotionally absent alcoholic father and all the challenges that comes along with that. Adrian came from a Christian family with a father as a pastor. Both families had areas of dysfunction. And neither one of us really knew how to communicate with each other without anger or tears. And because of some of my teenage teenage experiences, intimacy with my husband was quite challenging. So when we began our life together, there was many challenges to overcome. My mother was not in favor of our marriage right from the beginning. Um, Adrian was working part-time in a grocery store, part-time as a youth pastor, and I couldn't find work. We both had debt coming into our marriage from student loans and bills, and we looked for just another opportunity to start our life together. And so about after a year living in Carlisle, we chose to move to Yorkton. And we have been here mostly ever since. As Leanne said, those early years uh, weren't that easy. I recall one time we had got into a disagreement or an argument, or a spat, or whatever it was. It was more than 25 years ago, I'm starting to forget. <laughs> and so we, this is when we were living in Carlisle, and so I took our little Buick hatchback, and I went for a drive, because I needed to cool down, because that's the only way I knew how to resolve a situation, was to leave. And so I went for a drive, and if you've ever been to Carlisle, on your way to Carlisle, you have to go through the lovely Moose Mountains. Great place to visit, Kenosi, nice lake, you know, water slides, all that. However, if you drive in the back roads in the hills after several days of rain where there's no people living, you you can find yourself in a lot of trouble. And so I took our little car up there and I got stuck way up in the hills, several miles from town where there was no houses. And of course, this was 1992, so what didn't we have then? We didn't have cell phones, right? Probably wouldn't have been coverage there anyway. And so I had to find my way back into town. I figure I was about probably 15 miles from Carlisle and so I I made it as far as my friend's farm and I tried to break into his garage but I couldn't and uh, so I had to walk to the highway and then get a ride in needless to say my wife was worried sick about where I was and what had happened so that was kind of how we we initially started dealing with issues between us anyway we moved on to Yorkton and we were kept driving through Yorkton as we went up to Nippon to visit my family and we're like this is a nice community yeah I think we could live here and then it was more than that it was like hey you know what maybe God's calling us to to Yorkton and uh, we didn't know what that mean but uh, the opportunity came up later that year to enter full-time vocational ministry which is something that I've been looking for for several years and so when we got here I was 10 for 10 10 communities in 10 years I did the math I'm like, wow, that's not really a good track record. But one of the things we prayed for at that time, get this, after 10 for 10, we prayed, God, would you please give us stability? I think that was more Leanne's prayer because she knew my history. And uh, as she said, we've pretty much been here ever since. But we couldn't foresee how challenging our life was going to be as we uh, started life together here in Yorkton. So spring of 1995, things began to really change for us. The day after Adrian resigned as a youth pastor here in town, I found out that I was pregnant with our first son, Jaden. 
And I know that God gave us Jaden at that exact time because we were able to focus on something new and something exciting. And I had been praying that, um, that I would have a son. And uh, I just really felt that that I needed a son and and God heard my prayer and interestingly enough Jaden's name means Jehovah has heard um, I was reminded again in that situation uh, to trust in the Lord and he would direct our paths at that time we kind of took a break from going to church and although I kind of went to day spring they had worship nights that was formerly Spring was Prairie Har- is Prairie Harvest now, and I would go to their, their, I think it was Tuesday night worship nights, right, Kim? Yeah. And I just felt that I still needed to be amongst people and, and in a community and in a, in a body of believers. I, I just needed that for my, myself, and while well, he was funding on his own. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was interesting because God was, was caring for both of us. And Adrian was approached by Pastor Earl Verity at the time. He was the pastor of the Yorkton Alliance Church. And he approached him and uh, asked him to, I think he said, come and be the youth pastor, but you weren't quite ready for that. And he said, you know, then just come and be rehabilitated. And that just really spoke to our hearts. So we've been there for attending uh, York Alliance for 20, almost 24 years, so it took a lot of rehabilitation for us, I guess. So here we were a year and a half after moving to Yorkton uh, to be involved in full-time ministry. I was unemployed, Leanne was pregnant, and we felt kind of alone. What happened to that successful ministry? What happened to that successful marriage that had been spoken over us? But at this time, another uh, word was spoken over us, as a couple, and it was a friend of mine in Regina, I had coffee with him today, in fact. He said, build your family. And so we started to do just that, because we had no other choice. We had a baby on the way. I guess we're going to build our family. And so we began to build our lives day by day, block by block, decision by decision, step by step. I went back to school, Parkland College, took a business certificate, got some business training, started working in different businesses, uh, which progressed in time into management and leadership positions. God has brought many people into our lives in our time here, some for a short season and some for longer seasons and many for life. As time progressed, though, I found that work became more and more a master Uh, I believe I was a borderline workaholic, and I still have those tendencies. It was something I recognized in others, and I totally despised in others. But I just kept pushing because that's what I had to do as as a husband, as a father, as the provider. So three years later, after our son Jaden was born, our daughter Madison was born. And two years after that, our other youngest son Dawson was born. And life was now busy. Three small children, part-time work on and off for myself, and Adrian trying to work and upgrade his schooling. Challenging times for any young couple. As a young mom, I had to balance work, activities, and the demands of this young family. And finances were tight. But Adrian was trying to provide the best that he knew how. Many fights arose. Plates of lasagna were thrown. And tears were shed. But in the midst, we were growing. 
God was stretching us in many ways. Again, I was reminded, trust in the Lord and he will direct our paths. We found family and acceptance at the Yorkton Alliance Church and truly were on a path of rehabilitation. We both became involved in the Alliance Church and served in many areas, sometimes together and sometimes on our own. I even became the secretary for a while and I left for a time and then I returned. And one area we served was in music as well. And having small children at that time, we relied on good friends to watch our kids as we led a worship team. We saw how important that community was for us. We both were maturing in our own Christian walks and in our marriage. One day I had a conversation with our pastor, and he basically said to me, I think I was talking about our marriage or a fight or something that we had had, and he basically said to me, you know, Leanne, God gives our spouses so, to us so that we are faced to change ourselves. It's like iron sharpening iron. And it's not easy, but God challenges us to exercise the fruits of the Spirit with our spouses. As we made church part of our life, Adrian and I developed a deep love for people and felt called to help other people um, develop and grow and heal just as we were. One area of transformation for myself was going through a program called Wounded Hearts. I had never realized the effects and roots that had dug down deep into my life from my childhood experiences as a young teenager. And these were now affecting my marriage. During that time, I woke up, I remember waking up one night and it felt very, very dark all around me. And I was scared and I didn't know what to do and he was probably snoring. <laughs> but I was so scared and I, I just went into our bathroom and I, I, I sat on the edge of the tub and I didn't know what to do and, and I just sat there. And all of a sudden images and, and uh, things from my past were, were brought to my mind and I was remembering the things that, um, the experiences that I had as a teenager and the things that I had participated in. And I cried and I cried and then I just felt that God said to me, just repent. And so I cried out to God and I repented and I said, I'm sorry. And it was just gone. The darkness left and the weight was gone. As I walked through that time and really looking deep into my past and having the support of my close friends and my community at our church and the Wounded Hearts program that I went through, my heart began to heal. So while Leanne's heart was healing, I too had a wounded heart and I kept it hidden, but I was a very angry person. Jeremiah 17:9 it says, the heart is more deceitful than all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? And that aptly described my heart. Uh, I grew up in a home where my mom was very angry, and uh, which we found out much later that it was due to uh, some abuse that she had suffered in her early years. But it affected me as a child growing up, and that carried on into my marriage, into my adult life, and affected my wife, my kids, ministry opportunities. I was also angry because of some of the bad choices I had made, some of my career path, my lack of opportunities or perceived lack of opportunities. I was mad at my parents and sometimes I was just angry. 
one particular day I was very angry and my wife just had had enough and she did the unthinkable she called a friend of mine I wish he was here tonight, but he couldn't make it. And But I was horrified. I was horrified that the secret was out, that somebody else knew how angry I was inside. So my encouragement to you today is just to don't hold it in, talk to someone. But my wife loved me so much that she intervened in my life and did the, the unthinkable. It was a wake-up call, one of many, but it was, there was more to come. So fast forward to 2006, and a new opportunity came to Yorkton, and a new opportunity came for me. It was the rock radio station. Since I had been working at the church for six years, I was excited for a change. So I left my part-time position at the church, and I started to work in a full-time position at the radio station. I do have to say that this was a very, another very challenging time for us. It was a huge learning curve for me. Um, And during that time, I found out that my dad was diagnosed with cancer. The stress of a new full-time job, raising a family, and my dying father took its toll on me. Two surgeries later, for me, um, and feeling like a bad mother for working full-time, and grief were just some of the factors that had led me to make a change. So after a crying session in my boss's office, and there were many that year, I very clearly remember phoning Adrian, and his response to me was, just come home. I had battled with thoughts of leaving prior to that day, Um, but the guilt had set in because he was on his second year now at the University um, Trinity Western, and he was working on his master's degree. How could I possibly think of leaving a full-time job while he was going to school. But hearing his response to me that day, I knew he understood how this was affecting me and that everything was going to be okay. So I left The Rock in 2009, which, ironically, I am back there now. Um, But leaving a full-time job, of course, uh, affected our financial situation once again, and it put another strain on our marriage once again. But through all this, God was teaching both Adrian and I some very, very valuable lessons. For me, it continued to be trust. And for him, well, I'll let you, let him tell you. So I was still searching for what I hadn't found. I was working, driving, going to school, serving in the church, volunteering, uh, Oh, lots of really good things, raising my family, hockey dad, just just giving her. And so I was working on my master's degree in business leadership, and I graduated in November of 2011. And so the following February, I uh, my work life kicked into high gear. I was busy. I was on the road. I was in Saskatoon all the time. I was, uh, we were bidding on lots of contracts, and I was just like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, workaholic part, yes, thank you. You know, a friend of mine said once, you know, the voice of God often sounds like your wife's voice. (laughs) Yeah, right there. I was working hard and my body started to push back. 
I was sick, I could feel something wrong. And I recall being in Saskatoon, and I was sitting at the ESO of Grassland, Saskatoon, just south of, the, south of the city. And I was supposed to go to Prince Albert to do a presentation to a school board there. And, and my, my, I just couldn't. I was just physically ill. And, and I, ha- I had to call it. I phoned my boss. I said, look, I can't do this. Can you do this presentation? And so I headed home. April 15, 2012, I blacked out. I was sitting down when it happened, which is a good thing. A few months later, on June 23rd, it happened again, but this time I was walking in the hallway in our house. It was a very traumatic situation because bang, crash. I walked, took several steps, being totally unconscious. It was traumatic for our children who were home at the time, and Leanne was gone. And as I tend to do, I tried to take control of the situation. As my son had freaked out and had called 911, which he did the right thing to do. I'm very proud of him for doing that. So he came and he's crouching down beside me and, and he's answering the questions to the operator. And I said, who are you talking to? Give me that phone. So I started talking to her. She's like, sir, are you okay? I said, uh, sure, I'm okay. And then I passed out again. <laughs> Dropped the phone and, uh, well, the ambulance guys were there fairly quickly. I ended up in the hospital yet again. So those were wake-up calls two and three. So I wasn't able to drive by myself on the highway for about six months, and it really cramped my style, cramped my work. I was used to being on the road, go, go, go. Finally, we found out what was wrong. And you'll like this one. This is exactly what the doctor told me when they found out what was wrong. They said, Adrian, there's a problem with your heart. It's dysfunctional. That's what the doctor said. And we've been talking about my family being dysfunctional, her family being dysfunctional. Now my heart was dysfunctional. I couldn't believe it. What was next? So in October that year, I got a pacemaker put in, cardiac devices implanted. A week later, I was back to work. Oh, is my time up already? Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. I took a week off, and then I was right back at it. I was driving, I was serving, I was working. I needed a break, but it didn't happen. I knew at the time, and even spoke to people about this, I said, now that my physical heart has been healed, I'm good. I need my spiritual heart to be healed. Because I had this anger that was still inside me, and, and I knew that it needed to be dealt with, but it hadn't been dealt with. I needed rest for my soul. And it was during this time I started to rely on verses like this in the Bible, like Ezekiel um, 36, 26 and 27. It says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I desperately needed a new heart, a new spirit. I needed a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. But maybe some of you can relate. That hamster wheel of life just kept spinning and spinning and spinning. So I was getting, as time progressed, I was getting more frustrated at work. Frustrated over things that I couldn't control. I was stressed, which led to me getting more angrier than ever. And somewhere out there, probably in a Sastel recycle bin, there's a cell phone that took the brunt of a particularly stressful day. It was one of those one of those blackberries, the new blackberries that really didn't work very well anyway, so it was yeah, it died a noble death. And then shortly after that I got this call out of the blue. 
It's like from someone I'd never met before. And he said, Adrian, would you consider a, a ministry position in a church in another province? And I'm like, wow, this guy doesn't even know me. So I had to figure out who he was and how, how, uh, how he got a hold of me. Nothing came of that, but it got me thinking. And I, and I, but I was still thinking, I need this break. I need a break. But it wasn't happening. And then a couple months later, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to take this break. And I stepped away from a position I had held for several, for about 15 years. And I took a break. And what did I do? I stepped right into vocational ministry at York and Alliance Church. Our church was going through a pastoral transition. And as I had been transitioning business into from one leadership into another, I thought, hey, why don't I do that for the church? I presented it to the board. They said, hey, sure, we'd love to have you. And so that year was a great year of just helping our church go from uh, a long-term pastor to another pastor. And, and I got to be a part of that, and it was so good to be that way. And, and I've said this, and those of you that are from the Alliance Church, you may have heard me say this, but we've been in the church for about 20 years at the time. And I said, look, if you stick around long enough, they'll make you the pastor, so watch out. Some of you are getting to that point where it's just about your turn. And it was a really good experience. And I thought, okay, here we go. I took on another, excuse me, another ministry role in Saskatoon. And I thought this was going to be my great return to vo- full-time vocational ministry. And on the first day on my, on my whiteboard in my office, I wrote these verse, this verse, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I didn't know how true that verse was going to be, nor did I realize that this would be at another time where we would have to hold on when times got bad and not let go when times got worse. So as Adrian was dealing with his health and career changes, I made some as well. After leaving The Rock, I sought out a life coach, and I worked with her for a few years. God had healed a lot of the areas in my life, but I felt I needed just a little bit more direction and I needed to know how I could serve him with the gifts and the abilities that he had given me. <clears throat> so I went back to uh, part-time to work at the church and as I was there I realized that I wanted to help women of all ages heal and find their purpose. So I became certified as a life coach in 2012. The next month was the start of that scary period for Adrian. The second time he blocked out, as he said, I was away. I was in Musha visiting my mother for a few days. And I was texting our daughter when it happened because we were just having a regular conversation. Oh, how's your day? What are you doing? Oh, dad's laying down. And that's the way the text was going. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait, no, something's happening. Oh, wait, something's happening to dad. Oh, wait, Jaden's calling the ambulance. And I'm like, what is going on? And so I'm trying to text back frantically. And my brother was there having supper with us. And he looks at me and goes, Leanne, pick up the phone and phone her. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Anyways, all of a sudden, I was three hours away and I was helpless. Here, my children were back home dealing with a very scary situation with their father. All sorts of emotions were running through my mind, and I was terrified and I felt guilty that I wasn't there with my kids. 
and that they had to be responsible for this, this situation that was going on. I also had to come to terms with the fact that my husband may be having a heart attack and may die before I come home. This again was another time to trust in the Lord. After his heart was fixed, we decided that it would be best for me to quit work again and to stay at home and work with Adrian part-time. So between working for him part-time and starting to gain coaching clients and taking on another part-time job, we were making ends meet. But we both felt that there was more that God was wanting to do in our lives, and he was beginning to prepare and call us to something different. So this led us to the brief move to Saskatoon in November of 2016. And this proved to be yet another challenging time for us. Our daughter was in her first year of college, and our youngest son decided to stay here in Yorkton. So as premature empty nesters, we embarked on what we thought was this grand adventure that God was taking us onto. However, it wasn't long and we realized that things didn't go as we had hoped that they were going to go. A different city, a different job, a different church can be quite the transition. Our house back in Yorkton wasn't selling, and the rental home that we were in was, let's just say a little spooky, and we found out later that it had some history in it. The living room and master bedroom were painted black, so that should have been assigned to us. Also, our oldest son was living in the city of Saskatoon as well, and he was making some decisions that we were not really in favor of. So the combination of all these things and the grief of leaving our community back in Yorkton was really tough. And we didn't have a really strong community to lean on like we had here. But we had each other. And when things got really stressful with Adrian's work, that's when we had to stay committed to each other even more. And a few tough pep talks I think from me to him. <laughs> and we were once again um, putting our lives in God's hands, and we had no other choice but to trust in him. We had no idea what was ahead now, other than we were going home. So shortly before um, we uh, headed back to Yorkton, I was at what we call... A Holy Spirit encounter. And someone spoke into my life and they said these words, Adrian, I see you like a sailing ship on the sea, our sailboat. The word I have for you is to say the course. And if you know anything about sailboats and how you sail, has anyone been in a sailboat before? I, a few of you have been. I've never been on a sailboat. If it doesn't have a motor, it's not fast enough, right? A sailboat to get over there, okay, James, if it was say if I was sailing to you, I would have to go this way and then this way and then this way and then this way. But that would be for some that would be like, oh my goodness, where are you going? Why are you heading towards the exit when you need to go over there? But that's how a sailboat works. It doesn't. You catch the winds and you go. How do you take the winds to get to where you're going to go? And for us, 
for me, this word was stay the course. And I didn't know what that meant. And, and some, some may have suggested that I was just supposed to stay where I was and serve. And some may have said that it was to trust, the, trust God to stay the course, allowing him to be our strength and not let my heart become hardened. Shortly after that, I was done what I was doing. And so summer came along this past summer, and I had the whole summer off. I finally got that break I wanted, but not the way I wanted. And I just turned 50 in November, and my wife is so much younger than me. But it's not a good time in life to be unemployed. I will just wouldn't recommend that. But here it was. It was a forced sabbatical. I had to stay the course of just getting through this season. And so I took an assessment of my own life and realized that the course I needed to follow was where I became my own advocate for my own well-being, for my own spiritual well-being. And so I decided to get help and to deal with anger that had been building for almost 50 years and with hurt and resentment and all those ugly things in my life. And this again meant talking to someone. And this time it wasn't just a buddy who was just going to, hey, let's go cool down, let's go for a drive. It was like I had to talk to someone and say, yes, this is, this is my life. This is where I hurt. This is how I interact with my wife. And then I also had to take steps to, to change that. And that was scary. I had to admit my wrongs, confess my sins, and own up to my own failures. I decided to trust God to be my strength, the strength of my heart, because I had nothing left. I was weak, vulnerable, discouraged, and spent. I decided that we were going to trust God to provide for us, for our family. Because we had nothing except each other. And our house in York (laughs) couldn't sell, so we had a place to live. And so a new verse had come to me from in Psalm 73:26 and it says my heart and my flesh fails but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever you see my heart and my flesh had failed in many ways but God has God proved that he was our strength through moving through changing through transitions through moving through separations through hurt through life God had proved that he was our strength and he was going to continue to be our strength he proved that he was going to be our provider and, and he did. God provided, us, provided for us in miraculous ways. And we can only say it was by the grace of God that, that we had provision. Because here I was, I spent the summer off. But God provided so that we could go away, go to the mountains, go on a 10-day trip to the Okanagan for our 25th anniversary. It was great. We had a great time. But it was more than just a trip to the mountains. Because on this journey... We kept meeting up with people and many who have lived here in Yorkton who, would just, who just loved us and spoke into us and encouraged us. And what they did is they discerned our value and confirmed it. If you have ever felt that you are discouraged and you need someone to discern what you have to offer the world, what you have to offer your spouse, what you have to offer your children, your community, your friends, your neighbors, those are the people you want to grab a hold on and people that will confirm, discern that and they will confirm that. Those are the people you want to have in your life. And so we met up with people like that and it was so good. And so at the time it's like, hey, you know what? They're right. We have had a successful ministry in, in, in over the years. It wasn't the way we thought it was going to happen, but we were able to impact lives and encourage people and invest in people. And we we're still together after 25 years. 
which was amazing. And God has proven his strength to us by providing us both with employment. Leanne's working at the rock, as she mentioned. She likes to go back to jobs as she started and goes back and started and goes back. And, and God has provided me with employment. I work at Briarcrest College in Cairnport, Saskatchewan. So if you're ever cruising by on the number one highway on your way to the mountains, stop by. We can meet at the, meet at the subway, yes. And uh, we can buy you a $5 sub. Uh, I work as a director of human resources, and uh, it's where I fit. You see, in it, I can exercise those pastoral giftings. I can help people. I can invest in people, but I don't be a, I'm not a pastor. I get to extend grace to people in my role, and I work at a place where our motto is equipping the church and engaging our world. I'm like, this is where I want to be. This is where all these things that happened in my life have prepared me for what I'm doing right now. And so I thank him for that. And through all these things, God has brought Leanne and I so much closer together. Even now, while we're apart during the week, I leave on Sunday night, I'll be heading back to Moose Jaw. And the following, I won't even be home for a couple of weeks. I got to tell you something about living in Moose Jaw, okay? She said her mom wasn't in favor of me live, of. Oh, she wasn't in favor of me marrying her daughter, right? She really wasn't in favor of me marrying her daughter, okay? Like, if you've ever not felt that you were supposed to do something when someone was telling you not to do it, she was telling me not to marry her daughter. And that's okay. Because, you know, on Wednesday night, her and I had supper together. And I live in her house in Musha. okay? Now, it's not quite what you think. It's not like I'm living in my mother-in-law's basement in Moose Jaw. Well, well, I am. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know what? You might not believe in miracles, but I'm going to tell you a miracle. So I said, Joyce, you know what? Hey, I got a job. I'm, we're moving to Moose Jaw. Great. That's great. Where are you working? I said, I'm going to work at Briarcrest College. She said, where are you going to live? I said, I'm going to live with you. And she said, okay, that's good. The following day, she said, you know what, Adrian? I found a condo. I'm moving out. I'm like, woohoo! If you don't believe in miracles, there's a Christmas miracle for you, kids. She does love me. I think when I get uh, to, maybe if I need a part-time job, my job is going to be helping seniors with their technology issues. I'll just leave it at that. But now that I'm apart during the week, and we're, we're apart during the week, and I'm gone, I think we're closer now than we ever have been. We say, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> we say, I love you every day, which is a rare part of our vocabulary for many years. It's no longer, I love you. Thank you. It's, I love you. God has been my strength to be a better father, a better friend, and a better husband. And now my U2 song, which I more aptly describes my life, is it's a beautiful day, don't let it get away. It's not what I'm searching for, it's what I have right in front of me. So God has been and continues to be faithful to us. Over the years, it's been hard. Life is hard. Raising kids is hard. Marriage is hard. 
When it has been hard, we have both questioned continuing. At times, we have both said to each other either, I'm done or we're done. But I'm so grateful that God never chooses to say that to us. And because we know the faithfulness of God to each of us individually and to us together as a couple, that's what's kept us together. Some days it has only been that commitment. But commitment is like faith. We choose to believe even when we cannot see the outcome. We have made some mistakes along the way. We've said things that we shouldn't have said. We've acted in ways that haven't been appropriate. And we have forgotten how our selfishness has impacted our children. And I think the Lord often reminds me of words of wisdom from our pastor when we were first engaged. And he said that, you know, you and Adrian are two very selfish people. But if you keep Jesus in the center of your relationship, then you're going to be okay. And you know what? We have been okay. Because there's forgiveness. Forgiveness from the past, forgiveness in the day-to-day, and forgiveness in the future. Not that that gives us a freedom to make wrong choices, but I recognize that I first need to acknowledge that I need forgiveness. And to offer forgiveness to others, I need to offer forgiveness to my father years ago, my family, my husband, and my friends. As Adrian has said, that God has proven to be our provider. Another passage of scripture that I have relied on many times is Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is, life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. As this is a sweetheart's banquet, we've been talking about how God has changed our hearts and he's been taking away our heart of stone and making them soft towards him and towards each other. He's been moving us over the course of our lives from worry towards trust, moving us from deficit to provision, moving us from doubt to confidence, moving us from anger to forgiveness, moving us from wounded and broken hearts to wholeness. We're a long ways from from thinking that we've arrived anywhere, but we're moving in the right direction, and that's towards him. So as we wrap it up tonight, as we come to a close, 
Maybe you can relate to one of these areas about your heart. Things that I've been talking about, things that Leanne's been talking about are hearts. And maybe you feel that your heart is wicked and deceitful, desperately wicked and deceitful is the words in the Bible. Maybe you felt like your heart has failed. Maybe you felt like you've failed in one or many areas of your life. I know I certainly have over the course of time as a, as a father, as a husband. I've... Have you felt like you have a heart of stone, that there's just no life left in it? Or maybe you feel like, I just got to guard my heart because there's things coming against me. And if I let my feelings of hurt and resentment overtake my heart, it's just going to become solid and not soft towards anything. Do you need God to be the strength of your heart? I do, every day. Maybe some of you, for the first time, you need God to say, come in and say, I will make you your heart soft. Do you need to trust the Lord with all your heart? You know, I'm telling you things, we're telling you things. We've been, we've been followers of Jesus for a very long time. But even in the midst of that, we had to have healing. We had to have reconciliation. We had to have our hearts softened towards him, towards the work that God wanted to do in our hearts, towards each other. We're just regular people standing before you today sharing our story of how God has taken our broken and wounded hearts and he has become our strength. We don't have it all together. <laughs> we don't. And, you know, we only live a kilometer away, but there could still be room for an argument in that distance home, right? By the time we get to Mount View, we could be arguing about something. You talk too long. Oh. <laughs> We don't have it all together. But we know that together with God's strength, we'll be able to face whatever comes our way. And so our prayer for you today is that you will know the fullness of these verses that I read earlier in Ezekiel 36. And it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So I'm going to close, I'm going to pray, and as I pray, I'm just going to express an invitation to you. If you don't know God through his son Jesus, he gave his life to die for us on a cross so we can have hope. We celebrated at Easter, but it isn't for Easter, it's for every day. I invite you to ask him to be the strength of your life the strength of your heart, and he will redeem your failures. The ones you've had, the ones that you may have done today, the ones you'll probably do tomorrow because that's our human nature. We do feel that we fail. But we can also also ask him to redeem our hurts, our pain, our shame, our doubt, our anger, our fear, our wickedness. Maybe you just need him to take away your heart of stone and place a heart of flesh in its place. One that is able to receive all that knowing God will bring. So I ask you to pray with me. And if, as we're praying, you don't know what it's like to know Jesus. If you feel that you've got a heart that just needs to be made soft. Just join with me as we pray. And in your own way, just say to him, God, 
I've got this stuff in my life that I just need you to to take away. There's stuff in my heart that I just can't deal with on my own. I was that way. I grew. I, I've been followers of Jesus for almost 50 years, but yet I still had a heart that just was angry and bitter and twisted. And it affected my family especially. And I'm ashamed for that, but God takes away that shame. So as we pray, if you need to talk to him, just say in your heart, God, here, take my heart of stone and give me a new heart, one that's soft towards you. So join with me. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we can be found here tonight. Thank you for all these people that are here. Thank you for the good hosts that we've had here at the Gallagher Center. Thank you for the people that organize this event month after month and are just committed to, to sharing your love, to sharing the truth that Jesus brings. Thank you that we are, are here together. And for whatever reason, you've brought this group of people here tonight. Some of us, we know each other. Some have been to many of these things. There's people here that have never been here before. But whatever reason we've come here tonight, we just pray that our difference of reasons for coming here, we might leave with the same reason, that we know Jesus. That our hearts have been changed that our hearts have been softened, that our hearts have been guarded, that the wickedness of, and deceitfulness of our hearts have been taken away. And so those of us that need to call out to you and just say, Jesus, we need you to do that. Please take this away from me. Please make my heart soft to you, towards my wife, towards my children, towards my neighbors, towards you. I just pray that we would leave from here changed, each one of us, in some way. That we'd be inspired, but we'd be encouraged because of the work that you want to do right now. Because of the work that you want to do tonight and tomorrow and the next day. That you're always there just ready to forgive us, ready to just say, I love you. Give me your heart and I will just, and just watch and see what I will do with it. And so we pray that that's how we would leave here, with soft hearts towards you, ones that are changed, ones that are redeemed. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you we can be found together. We thank you that you do in our lives things that we can't even ask about or imagine more than we can ask about or imagine. You do those things in our lives, and we thank you for that. And so we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.